And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Yeah, I want to know now who the two guys behind you are. That's what I want okay. to Because if I were you... I'll be off in two minutes. I'm just doing... I got just... If, if I'm too loud, just let me know. Honestly. <laughs> no, they can't... Two more minutes. They can't hear us, right? No, not you. Okay, no. So I would be careful if I were you, because the last time you were on a couple of guys like that, they stole your car. Here's Chris in Boston. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, what's going on? Honest to God, it gets worse every time you listen to it, doesn't it, Scarzi? That's just incredible, that... That to have that little uh, that little understanding of what 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 it is that you're saying over the air, uh, really the the suspension I think is primarily for being a stupid idiot with regard to that. Bowling level stupid. Well, they believe that they were, you know, the, they're the number one uh, sports talk show in uh, the Northeast, so they're you know untouchable. Whatever. No, you're you're, you're a thousand percent right about that. Uh, a lot of I'm going to get into some posts from the uh, the Bruce Allen old message board Slack that I found uh, cutting, insightful, and and kind of telling. Uh, Dan, I think Dennis Green um, years ago put it best about the uh, the hosts on air at 98.5 the Sports Clan. But they are who we thought they were. I mean, there's so many layers. That that's Maserati soundbite is 24 seconds that I played to open the show in total length. Roughly so half heard- of that. Roughly half of that is Tony Maz. There is so much that is revealing about what is pretty much you know that's got to be accepted behavior inside the the walls of that station. Certainly in that studio, um, a lot to unpack there. Uh, I mean, it does. It gets worse and worse, and just you know you're. Okay, is he a racist? You know, was his apology sincere? I think he's. I think he's scared shitless. He's going to lose his job. He's the. He, I'm paraphrasing. I'm stealing from a, a chat that I'm in. Tony Maserati is the second luckiest person in the history of terrestrial radio behind Robin Quivers. He is the ultimate <laughs> replaceable widget. There's nothing remarkable about him. He's surrounded by a a, a cat fucking producer and a despicable sidekick and Jim Murray in their lord is a napkins-wearing Wisconsinite. That's the alpha in the room. The alpha in the room is a napkins-clad Wisconsinite. It is, when you break it down like that, is, you know, they are who we thought they were, and it's pretty damn sad. Do you have the audio of the of his apology? I do. Uh, let's get to that. All right, as Dan asked for, here is the audio from 98.5 The Sports Plan. I want to give a tip of the hat to Officer Jay Santos, who put a lot of the the foibles and the, the the really telling clips of you know what they think behind the curtain at 98.5. But this is Tony Maserati, Tony Maserati's apology on Monday. They let him back on the air on Monday after having a weekend to ponder this. Shame on you, Beasley Media. Uh, here's Maz on the Felgren Maserati uh, Power Hour. Uh, sincerely, I apologize. And uh, I will do my best to make sure it never happens again. So I bear some responsibility, too. I knew it was wrong the moment it went out, and I could have stopped the show. I could have stopped it and uh, corrected it, and I didn't in real time. So bang, bang, did the wrong thing myself. 
So I bear responsibility as well. So it's not just you, Mass. But either way, is there anything more you want to say? No, I mean, I'm sure people will have questions about it. I'm not sure there's really anything more I can say than I've already said. Again, you know, there, I don't expect people out there to know what my insides are. There's no way you could. So people are entitled to believe and think and say what they want to. Um, and just, if I may, like you said, to poke fun at Mike, because your car was stolen down there. Not that it makes the joke right, but that's what you were... That's where this stemmed from. Yeah, it goes back to something that happened when Mike was down there in the fall. And uh, it was an inside joke. And again, not no one could possibly know that other than... The What's the inside joke? That's telling in and of itself right there. <laughs> Tony Maserati is not only stupid, he's a coward. He had to ask Spellrace, can they hear me? Guys like them. That's where he's... Guys like them. Obviously, they could... People listening to in the radio had no idea what they were doing. God well, that's, bless that's... Dave Cullinane. God yeah. bless Dave Cullinane from the Kirk Minahan's producer for putting that stuff on uh, putting that stuff on his Twitter account. And it didn't blow up. No one blew it up in the local Boston media. Where the hell was Chad Finn? We know where Chad Finn was. His he was in mid-coast Michael. Maine. They've got no internet or electricity. <laughs> it's just uh, just carrier pigeons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan, what was, what was what did you think when you heard Maserati's, and I'm doing the Dr. Evil quotation fingers, apology? Well, it was, it was it was an inside joke of a of a time when we were being racist off the air, is what exactly. it sounded like. Hundred percent. But we, we've we've heard enough apologies through the years to be able to differentiate what's what. I mean, there's the non-apology apology. I'm sorry that uh, I'm sorry people were offended by what right. I said. And then there's the cover your ass apology, which basically breaks down to I'm sorry this thing that that could take me down happened, and I'll say the bare minimum to keep that from happening. And then you have the heartfelt apology. I did this. I was wrong. I take accountability and uh, will, you know, whatever repercussions that come from it. And I thought his apology started sounding out like a heartfelt one in that he said he did what he what he did was wrong and he apologized for it. But he immediately started back couching in rationalization, uh, telling us that that isn't representative of who he is, that, uh, you know, that puts it back into the cover your ass territory. Mm -hmm. So it made me question, what could he say that would be an acceptable apology uh, rather than one that just allows him to skate past this? And and here it is. He has to be accountable for who he is. He, he, he has to acknowledge that no matter how much he doesn't want to believe it, that racism does exist in his heart. I, I, I think if he can look at the two guys behind Felger, instantly think these two guys look like they rob cars, actually have the presence of mind to think, I don't want these guys to hear what I'm about to say, and then say it. Yeah, he's got some racism in his heart. And it, that, it's probably impossible. malice of forethought, exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it, it may be impossible for him to make that admission to himself, and maybe he's already got the, uh, uh, the damage control guys at the station telling him which is the right apology to make. But I think that's the only one that would be acceptable. You got to own your shit and do something about it. The words were attempting to make an apology, Scartelli. I'll tell you what I heard. I heard a guy that was scared shitless. He was going to lose his cushy four hour a day gig after losing his uh, role with, on air with the Red Sox where he sucked and he blew at that job too. That, that Maserati is scared shitless and he should be. Oh, there was definitely emotion in his voice. There's no two ways about that, but uh, I, I, I would like to believe that uh, that it was because he realized he did something wrong, but I think it's more that he realized he got caught doing something yes. that he shouldn't ought to have done. 
and and kudos to the folks who did uh, who did clip the audio and do it. You know that that group they they do the things that they do, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that they did it this time. That that group with those people. A hundred percent, Scarcelli. One hundred percent. By the way, bang up job on the uh, the drawer in the sports junk this week. Uh, going after Maz very subtly as usual. Oh, the the I, I gave the people what they want. And it was uh, it was a very popular, uh, very popular uh, junk drawer this week, and we we're, we're glad that it was uh, received with such uh, such open arms. There you go, Dan. Um, you've had some experience in the newspaper industry in the past. What is Chad Finn's role uh, if he's the media critic for the largest uh, outlet in New England? Um, I mean, what's going on there? I mean, you know how I feel about Finn. Ninety-eight point Finn is is been his derogatory nickname. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty sad. His his role is to promote whomever makes his job easiest and enriches him the most. I don't know what his role is. There there have there hasn't been an ombudsman type. I don't, when's the last time there's been one? And when was the last time there was one that actually did their job? Yeah, I wish I wish we had a Bruce Allen was here. Bruce Allen is has been chronicling that Bruce Allen was probably the last honest ombudsman, um, unaffiliated, honest ombudsman in the year. And um, we've been over that with him. He's been on the podcast previously. I mean, you got to go back to, um, was it Jim Craig that was in the Herald when we were kids, excuse me, the globe when we were kids. And I'm sure the Herald had one at some point. Yeah. And the, and the um, globe actually had some people like legal types that were ombudsmen that from time to time would take the job seriously. But uh, as far as the media critics, um, would I guess Jim Craig would be that there was a Jim Baker too. Is that correct? Jim Baker. That's right. Yes. Um, you know, Alex Reamer supposedly writes a media column for uh, Odyssey and WEI Scartelli. Why wouldn't WEI? Uh, my, listen, there's a history there as well. WEI has gone younger and dumber. It's something that I'll probably touch on before the podcast is over. Why wouldn't WEI go on the offensive over that? Uh, I believe the term that we, we'd use is because uh, it's a incestuous cesspool, and it, it's the same reason why the uh, the Herald didn't go at uh, Shaughnessy's kid that one time. No kidding. Yeah, I feel like Robin uh, Robin Williams in the end of Goodwill Hunted bastard stole my line. Um, mm-hmm. Dan, there's a there's a there's a history. Um, Listen, we're all we're all aware of, of the I mean, Boston's a lot of labeling of, oh, this is just Boston being Boston has happened nationally. Um, you guys know I live in the Pacific Northwest. I've been asked about it informally, um, you know, in my work in social circles here. Um, I mean, you go back to the Metco Gorilla stuff. I mean, the Metco Gorilla with on the Dennis and Callahan program stuff. I mean, this is I mean, uh, Scarchy made the point that uh, what was the uh, the the name of the uh the the gorilla gorilla escape franklin park <laughs> uh little joe he just yeah, little... turned 30 so it's funny that it's it's like uh hegel you know except in this case it was first it's farce and the second time a bigger farce yeah, is what it comes down to with history it's and of course no there's no way that we can pull the audio of the uh the little joe stuff <laughs> never happened that was that's right they they pulled is uh they pulled the audio on that and it's never been uh never never been uh sent out over the airwaves since dan I've, in some i referenced some chats that uh were a part of uh groups were a part of it earlier and i 
one of one point that I read made me think a lot. Is this what 98.5 is really playing towards? 98.5 is playing towards the ignorant masses who kind of, you know, I don't want to say they live for this stuff, but they kind of like this stupid, edgy content, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think I don't think he's going to lose his job. I'm not sure if he should lose his job. Or not. I mean, that's not I guess that's not for me to decide. But holy Christ, he is a he is an abject moron. I, I, it actually warmed my heart to hear Maserati scared shitless Dan. 98.5's audience. I mean, we're we're not their target audience. You, it, it's pretty safe to say that the target audience uh for 98.5 is amongst the worst of of Boston fans, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they're so conditioned to what the hosts say. So it, it becomes this uh it feeds into itself. And they're you know, they're on Twitter trying to get the attention of of Felger and Maz and whomever they can to Oh, look at look at this next hot take I've I've got. No, um, I agree. Um, certainly. So if if it wouldn't surprise me if that's also a, a trait of that, you know, a characteristic of of that cross section of their um, audience. Yeah, I started to get into a few moments ago about kind of the history of racism, both subtle and overt, in Boston sports radio. I referenced the Metco Gorilla stuff. This is just this is another clip, one we've played previously on Entitled Town. Um, Greg Bedard has a checkered history uh, employing one Mike Loiko, inveterate racist Mike Loiko. Uh, Greg Bedard, a l- little less than two years ago, on the Felger and Maserati program, comes on and compares Christian Barmore to Aaron Hernandez. And then Jim Murray asks for clarity on Barmore's issues, essentially saying, is he one of the dumb ones or one of the violent ones? When I went back and backtracked on Aaron Hernandez his rookie year because of how much he popped, this team also removed Aaron Hernandez from their back uh, from their draft board. So, um, look, I think that they he, the kid has a motivation issue, or at least he did at Alabama. That led to problems. Everyone thinks you need to be on him around the clock. All right, the audio cut out there. So, but you get uh, the gist of what Bedard's saying there. And it, here's more of Bedard uh, on Christian Barmore on the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast that is advertised on the Felgren Maserati show on 98.5, the Sports Clan. Struck me as curious. And so I reached out to a few teams. I said, what's, what's the deal with Barmore? Why'd you pass on him? Why didn't you pick him? And I was told pretty quickly there are big time issues with Barmore that. One team took him off their boards. They just said, he is not for us. And another team said they had a late second round grade on him. And look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anybody specifics because I have sources to protect. And if I gave you the specifics that I have, it would burn a source. And I'm not gonna do that. And I also don't think it's fair to the kid. If I put out what I know, or at least what I was told by a team exactly why they took him off the board it would be on headlines all over the country and it would and it would unfairly tarnish the kid before he even got a chance so he's actually protecting him bedard is a absolute slug he's a slanderous slanderous slug the lot going on there it's just incredible the idea that he wouldn't want to make headlines nationwide to get his name back out there instead of you know running his uh boutique website 
he, he wants to say just enough to show that he's got some insight or some somebody that's talking to him but he doesn't want he, this this whole thing of i don't you know i don't i want to protect the kid i can't can't do that well just by saying just the insinuations are make it so much worse because people are going right. to assume the worst yeah i'm i'm going to guess that Bedard has no details because there are no details to be had from his alleged source um, maybe his alleged source's name is Aaron. I'm not sure. Um, last clip. I'm going to present this one without comment. Uh, again, the Felger and Maserati show. Mike Felger, take it away. If you dig deep enough, I'm from Africa. Like, it, that that doesn't count. You know what I mean? Like, we keep going back to my ancestry. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you know you know what I mean? I yeah, was, aren't we all? I was hanging in a tree somewhere, Of right? course. Is that a pattern of behavior, Scartelli? I can see the look on your face. You haven't heard that one. At least haven't heard it in a while. I haven't. Well, that's just great. (laughs) No wonder they felt uh, comfortable saying what they said uh, last week. No, agreed. That's just just incredible. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm dumbstruck by that, so I'm going to... It's Actually, crazy. stop talking now, so you can continue. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm ripping this off from uh, the old goofball board member Kingosaurus. I thought this was uh, spot on, and it's a thread where they're talking about the Maserati, the Felgren Maserati show. And I think this is kind of telling about the the overview. Uh, Kingosaurus writes, "That's because everyone on that show has developed the sheen of invulnerability, king of the ratings, and all that, and all of it based on spouting gigantic levels." of needling bullshit all day, every day. The more outrageous, the better. Remember the nearly legally actionable, did Bill know about the Hernandez flophouse shit? They're basically imagining things for people to do or say, like Bill, Brady, Tatum, whoever, for four hours, then criticizing those same people for doing or thinking the imaginary things these three guys just invented. Once you're in that environment long enough, the wary mental guard you developed years ago as someone who writes and speaks to the public tends to slip. After that, it's only a matter of time before you tongue fuck yourself. Well put. Well put. Uh, I think it's spot on too, Dan. Yeah. They they make projections. They make speculations on what they think could be possible or what they think of the the worst possible scenario. And then they accept that premise is true and build off of that. Now that we know that this, this premise, now that we can assume that this is true, let's think of something worse. Yeah, yeah. Scarzi, have you recovered from uh, they, they did swinging in trees comments? Oh, yes, I have. And they did some nonsense uh, at the beginning of last week uh, with regard to this, some sort of uh, phony baloney trade that they had uh, cooked up and had uh, one of the gyms, either Big Jim or Jim Murray, put out there saying, oh, I'm hearing that there's going to be this trade so they could talk about it for four hours the next day. Well, we, we, had, we had a back and forth. Remember, it was a little over a week ago, well, Albert Breer pulled out of the deepest recesses of his rectum that the Patriots are going to trade Mac Jones. And voila, what did they talk about in hour one of the clan meeting between two and six on 98.5? They talked yeah, about he- Mac Jones, this nebulous Mac Jones trade. They're t- I mean, it's, it's the worst of it's the, what they're doing is they're programming around the loud idiot at the end of the bar. They are really pandering Dan to the lowest common denominator. It's, and, and Breer is really careful about how he prefaces it. He never comes out and says something like that. He just says, I think he, no, he says, um, I understand, or, you know, my understanding is, is he'll he always say something like that, but he said, they're open to the idea of it, which, you know, any team will listen to any, 
any possibility if it improves their team. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly going out on a limb to say something like that, but then it becomes fact, like they're entertaining ideas or they're reaching out to teams for this. Uh, I saw some San Francisco 49ers um, site pick, pick up the story to say maybe the, maybe the 49ers were right about uh, Jones back in 2021. And they were citing Breer's Breer's story as as you know treating it as gospel, and that's just how they they have no sources. Their, their sources are each other. Have you ever read a Breer column since he's been at SI? Sure, but I've never read a Breer scoop. <laughs> it's very good. Can <laughs> can confirm. Yeah. Um. I mean, sports radio is one of the only platforms, Scartelli, where Albert Breer can be crowned, or also NBC takes Boston, where Albert Breer can be coined an insider with sources inside the building gtfo come on well it he's got the he's got the pedigree behind him unfortunately he keeps <laughs> failing upward he's with si now you know even though that's hardly uh that's certainly uh since the uh smaven people bought them out there that's not uh what it, that's a uh shell of its former self yeah SI with had nfl a network grace than rich keith which, which people you know which has some cachet he was with the Globe, and uh, from near as I can tell, he got entered into the uh, Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor for the year he spent <laughs> with the uh, morning news there. The way he acts, like he's an honorary cowboy sometimes. Honorary cowboy and honorary Buckeye. <laughs> exactly. Lots of wheeze being tossed about. The cows are a wagon, bro. <laughs> I broached this I broached this with Dan earlier today, Scarty, so I want to start it off with you. You're getting this kind of uh, blind. Um Adam Jones uh, left uh, 98.5, the sports clan, to go over to, and uh, get his pass to get on the HMS WEI um, over across the street. He's doing the afternoon show with uh, the love of John's life, Mego, <laughs> and Christian Arkans. It's a good God. They would have, you couldn't, you couldn't name an amount to get me to sit to listen through four hours of that stuff. So Jones, listen, Jones has as much range as a, as a cold sore, you know what his take's going to be. He's, I mean, it's God, he's awful. His targets, he's had a lot of targets and wow. His the objects of his scorn, Marcus smart. They tend to be darker skinned players. This could be a coincidence, but Tuka Rass has been retired for what a year, two years. He didn't play a lot in his last season. Since the Maserati incident, he's not going after Marcus Smart. He's not going after the Celtics. He's not going after Jackie Bradley Jr. Who's he going after? A white European named Tuka Rask. It could be a coincidence, right? But listen, just asking the question, caller, is Adam Jones an inveterate racist in the mold of Michael Felger and Tony Maserati? I'm just saying. I'm just asking the question, caller. I think we'd have to go to the uh, classic uh, TV PSA, you know. I learned it from you. <laughs> yeah. I learned it from you, Michael Felger. But I, he's really going after Tuka Rask? What, what goddamn year is this? <laughs> yeah. oh, does he think that playing the hits is going to get his station out of ninth place? I actually, you know, I, I was... I don't think the the book that was just released really reflects. I mean, he just started, I believe, at EEI, I believe, at the end of January. I sadly believe that he uh, 
he went off when Chad Finn criticized him, saying that he wouldn't make a difference in WEI. I kind of think the other. I feel a little bit, little bit the other way is that, um, again, they're catering to the the worst common denominator. And it, it, let's just face it: the best and the brightest are not tuning in to the Adam Jones show at night. Um, and I think WAI may get a dead cat bounce from throwing that, you know, the the Johnny One Note, Bonesy Johnny One Note. Uh, in the afternoon show and you know john's gonna be crossing himself right now praying for mega um dead cat bounce that's just a saying joey jojo don't <laughs> don't don't take it don't take it the wrong way my friend but yeah, yeah. It, it isn't i don't think that i maybe ninth place is their floor and they've got nowhere to go but up well we'll see we'll see if people want to listen to uh listen to you know a, a mimeographed version of Michael Felger when there's an actual Michael Felger to listen to at the same time. Yeah, Dime Store Felger. Yeah, the Dan, uh, Odyssey and WEI have been shedding salary like Jeremy Jacobs in the 90s. I mean, uh, it's I mean, it's the lowest common denominator. I mean, are, are, are we wasting our time by even discussing Adam Jones? I, I don't listen to that show, but I'll get, I'll get, uh, I'll see some clips from time to time come up on Twitter. And you're right. He, he's modeling his game exactly after Felger. He doesn't. He, it's it's all an act. He only cares about about the numbers. He's not. He's taking a position because he thinks that's what's going going to accomplish that. I I saw a clip come up where they were the three of them were grading the Celtics season so far, and he's he's grading the Celtics as a C. Forty two and seventeen, best record in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. And so that's that's just taking that's just being contrarian for contrarian's sake, hoping that it you know that ooh that's I don't know that's edgy or something. Uh, spoiler, it's not. You know what I feel? I feel the Jones and, and the Maserati stuff. I'm sure we'll discuss uh, on a larger forum uh, with John and Mike on Route One at some point in Shack. Uh, but you know, I don't think Adam Jones is worth sparing any more. Uh, any any more time of ours and any more hot air um do you guys see the the uh, fluff piece that the athletic ran on sean mcveigh today this is a kind of an awkward segue um you'll remember before the season uh the rams the rams won the super bowl um a season ago uh the chiefs replaced them a couple weeks ago as you all know and seth wickersham gave sean mcveigh before the 22 season started an absolutely embarrassing tongue bath. It was a love letter from Wickersham to McVeigh and the Rams organization. It was embarrassing. It had some photos, the photos of McVeigh holding the trophy, gazing at himself uh, in this his reflection in the Lombardi trophy. It was bad. Um, God, it's bad. Um, the, the flip side to the athletic had a piece on McVeigh um, basically after the Rams had the worst record for a defending champion, they went five and 12 last season. And it, Oh God, it was awful. McVay, you know, just, just despondent had to find himself. He was bringing his team down because he's, he's an empath and they disconnected from the players. And then they get Baker Mayfield off of waivers and he coaches them up within 48 hours and leads the Rams to a win. And he finds his passion for football. And he's, it, it's, TV movie bullshit. It's it's so schlocky. What is it? I mean, McVeigh's got the press eating out of the palm of his handstand. It's pretty fucking embarrassing. And fuck them picks. That's that's some impress, impressive spin on his part. 
um i didn't read the article i'm 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 curious about it now but for him to uh find a way to turn that uh i i was mentioned to you guys earlier that uh if do you remember that parcells was writing a book in the 99th season they had just had the 98th season where they uh they got to the afc championship i game. own the book i own the book yeah and, th- and that was he that obviously that season turned right at the beginning where where vinnie testaverde uh got like uh was it an achilles yeah you tore his achilles um, in the opener against and the it Pats. was out and the the season was about trying to what can we make of this? And and it was like the Ray Lucas season where he came yes. on for Meyer later. And it was, it was a pretty good book. You know, he was talking about what, what you can find as a coach, how, and, you know, that might've been one of his best seasons as a coach. Cause he was, had, was given this uh, terrible situation and, and made, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, I, I feel like this is McVeigh trying to, do the same sort of spin but his is nowhere near as sincere agreed the the title of the article is written by uh, jordan rodrigue of the athletic the article is titled scartelli as rams imploded sean mcveigh faded away how we found their way back to each other i feel like we need the eddie yandelman dramatic music playing in the background it's the media oh, yes. spawning need the mighty me. Wurlitzer. <laughs> it's 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 so bad uh mcveigh's got the press eating out of his hand Oh yeah, but he's he's no Parcells. He's done. He he got he got his chip, as as the kids say, if, even if kids still call themselves kids nowadays. But anyways, he's ah, there's not many coaches that would get that sort of treatment after going five and whatever. So it's, <laughs> you know, you know, kudos to him. Um, Bill's on the hot seat for going eight and nine, though. Yes, and he exactly. allegedly was on his way out then too. He was yeah. he was looking at other. There were stories that he was looking at other opportunities. Didn't want to be part. Of, didn't want to be part of the rebuilding process that he, you know, instituted in the first place. He'll. Uh, I don't think he'll be coaching that team uh, two seasons from now. No. Call it, it's a hunch. It's I'm, I'm obviously throwing shit against the wall. Hey, I might even be programming ninety eight five for an hour tomorrow just by throwing shit against the wall. Uh, you know, McVay's a good coach. Um, the Rams did what they had to do. They wanted to establish dominance in LA over the Chargers, and they and they 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 achieved what they wanted, I suppose. Scarzi, you excited about the Red Sox season? I think they'll surprise us. Isn't that the all-purpose? <laughs> all-purpose. Uh, well, let's see. There's there's no way they can come in sixth in the division so i guess you know they they could do any number of things they could finish anywhere between fifth and perhaps second unless things really go their way and then they could finish in first place in the division which would be something because you never know you know it's just a 162 games long season it's a marathon not a sprint uh if there are any more uh you know baseball bromides out there that i can toss in there i would <laughs> No Dick Williams-like no, uh, pro- proclamation of "We'll win more than we lose." There's uh, a there's a p- recent pop culture reference for you. Oh, exactly. Very nice. I, I I see them coming in, uh, coming in a respectable third. Oddly enough. Okay, uh, Dan, uh, what do you want to? The Celtics. The Celtics are playing the Pacers as we're recording this. Uh, the Pacers are on a run. Uh, how are you feeling about the call the a Celtics timeout second half of the year? Yeah, that, actually, yeah. 
Great point. I actually wanted to discuss Gary Washburn and Joe Missoula, but we'll hold off on that for another time. I, I meant to say, Scarzi, uh, the way Heim Bloom's getting dragged by the Boston media, I actually think the Red Sox have a chance to be good because they're really right about anything. Dan, what are you <laughs> feeling about the Celtics? Oh, feel great. Uh, I like the trade that they got. It seems like he was the guy to that they were hoping Gallinari would be. Yeah. Or I, I, don't, I don't know if you know it's, it's going to if he's the same player, but that's uh, seems to be the the role that they wanted for out of Gallinari. So, yeah, yeah, and he's making all the right moves. Uh, very Kel- Kelly Olynyk like, and he's uh, he's pretty good around the rim. I, I really love. There was a lot of caterwauling preseason that they should sign Carmelo Anthony. They did a really good job developing <laughs> Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser is a uh, is a very 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 usable ro- rotational piece. He's better defensively than you think. Yeah, and he gets he gets targeted all the time too. Uh, him and Pritchard get targeted all the time. Uh, both good players, both really deep. Uh, Pritchard probably won't be with the team next year. No. Um, but but goddamn, they're loaded. I just I would have liked to seen them maybe get. I mean, there's probably not another wing out there they could have got. But you know, if they can stay healthy, I'm gonna I'm actually not gonna knock on wood because the dog is sleeping and she'll think it's the front door. So, uh, you know, it's it's gonna be a really 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 fun spring and summer if we're lucky. I I don't I won't pretend to know anything about uh, who the Bruins acquired today, but the the Bruins are playing in Seattle tonight just up the road here. Um, Sadly, I'm not able to look at the ticket prices are, are absolutely through the roof, but it'll be a hopefully be a fun watch tonight. And they can make up for Seattle going into the garden a few weeks back and winning. Gentlemen, thank you. Um, Scartelli is the purveyor of the drawer of sports junk. He is at the15net.com. Dan is at Patriots Daily. My name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening to Entitled Town. Stay off the pike and please. As demonstrated for the entirety of this podcast, do yourself a favor and turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team. And if you have kids, I hope you outlive them. <laughs>